Welcome to Faith Sermons and Studies with Pastor Joe DeVitro. There is something bigger going on. There's something more about the world that we live in than just the rulers of our time. Some of us perhaps realized we were trusting in the wrong thing. Our confidence is in the wrong thing. We even talked about that in Sunday school this morning a little bit, how we can get so distracted with what's going on in the world that, that we place our trust in the wrong things, like an election's going to fix everything, right? Well, if we just had so-and-so for president, that would fix everything. If this leader would just rise up and this leader would go away, then everything would be okay. But guess what our Bible actually tells us? That's not accurate. The world will continually get better and better is what the Bible teaches. No. It actually teaches quite the contrary. That as man abandons the work of God and the will of God, he actually begins to rebel against God and God acts in righteous, holy judgment on the world because of the rebellion. Babylon is the picture of this. Babylon is the test bed. Babylon is the declaration of what God says is going to happen if the world doesn't repent. And Babylon is used as an example for the tribulation people to not mimic what they're doing, but instead to change, to be transformed, to be renewed in their mind, to repent of what they're doing and to go a different direction. In, Roman, in Revelation 17, we're introduced to two characters, a great harlot who is sitting on a beast. And the beast that uh, this harlot is riding on has a couple of things that are notable. Number one, there's a number 10 used. And it's ten horns and describe ten kings. And I want you to notice this feature about those kings. They have not yet received their what? That means these are kings that don't have power yet. They haven't yet risen to power. They're, they may already be there. They may already be in their positions. But they haven't yet assumed power to do what they want to do. What does that tell us? There's something or somebody restraining them. There's a restraint put on these 10 kings that they want to do something, but they're not able to do it until God allows the restrainer to be pulled away and then they attack. And when they rise to power, they rise to power for how long? The Bible says one hour. And then they lose their kingdom power, not because they're defeated, but because they hand their power over to one person. And guess who that person happens to be? The Antichrist. Now, if they're going to do that, that means there has to be an object of their aggression. If they rise to power and they attack this whatever it is, the city Babylon, that means they're already plotting and planning that before the attack, right? How many times do nations just wake up one day, we should go blow up somebody? No. There's a plan that's already going on. There, Satan is already at work in these kings' hearts to set them against. And it's not only Satan doing it. The Bible narrative actually tells us who is behind it, and it's God himself. And you're going to see that here in a minute, that God is the one that ordains this organization, this people group, this nation, the state, this whatever it is, the city Babylon. God ordains them to be destroyed and uses the 10 kings and the Antichrist to get it done. 
Now, for us, that should be a little bit intriguing, right? So let's read the narrative. Let's pick it up this morning because what happened on 9-11 in the United States is going to happen again. It's going to happen again, but next time it happens, it's going to be so much bigger and so much grander that the odds of survival are not really that great. Now, I'm not going to project to you who I think this is because I'm going to let the text project to you who this is. And it becomes very sobering when you really understand what's going on in the passage here. The story begins in Revelation 17. The great harlot Babylon is described. She is destroyed by the armies of 10 kings who have not yet received their power and the will of the Antichrist. And eventually the Antichrist himself will proclaim himself to be God, demand worship by committing the abomination of desolation on the, on the altar of God in Jerusalem. And the entire population of the world at that point will have two choices. One, surrender to him or stand for God. Those are going to be the options that Israel is going to be faced with. The situation will become unacceptable and the great harlot will be uh, upset at what's going on in the world and begin to persecute Israel because of the destruction of the things going on during the tribulation. So as the tribulation heats up, you've got a battle between God and a battle between the Antichrist and the beast, which is Lucifer himself. So another vision is brought in chapter 18 now, and it's brought new and it's and a very powerful angel reveals that great judgment is going to come on this institution. So let's read the passage and then we'll come back through and highlight a couple things. It says, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was made bright with the glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Remember, what was she called? She's called a harlot. What do harlots do? Okay? They, they whore themselves with other people. So this is an organization or, or something, this, this harlot is harloting herself on the nations and kings of the world for a purpose. For all the nations had drunk the wine of her sexual passion and immorality, verse 3, and the kings of the earth had committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sin is heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered whose iniquities? Hers. Now, let me ask you a question. If this was an unbelieving nation, why would God care? But let's say, for instance, this were a believing nation that was founded on Christian principles out of the multitude of a sea of nothing, chapter 17, who was Christian and now have turned away from God, and they've hoard themselves on the countries and the kings of the world to gain wealth and riches in an immoral and ungodly way, what is God going to do about that? Would it not be plausible that he would judge her? So this is the predicament that this, this prostituted organization finds itself in. 
Let's read on. Verse 6, pay her back as if she were paid back, as she has paid back others. That's biblical, right? And repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup that she has mixed. And she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow. In the morning, I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come. What's the Bible say? In a single day. Death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has. So let me ask you a question. When in history has a nation been burned up for its immorality, its whoring of other nations, its getting rich on others, and um, it's, it used to be Christian and it's not now? When does that happen in history? It hasn't. So what's that make it? Still out in front of us. It's out ahead of us still. We haven't yet got to whatever this place is. Let's keep reading. It gets better. Verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand afar off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold and silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood and bronze and iron and marble, cinnamon and spice, incense and myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots and slaves. That's human souls as slaves. Sex trafficking is the idea here. The fruit of which your soul has longed for and has gone from you and all the delicacies of your splendor are lost to you, never to be found again. For the merchants of the wares who gained wealth from her stand afar off in fear of torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all its wealth is laid to waste. And the shipmasters, seafaring men, sailors and all who trade on the sea stood afar off and cried as they saw the smoke of her burning. And what city was like this great city? They threw dust on their heads as they wept. They cried out loud, alas, alas for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour, she's been laid to waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and your saints and your apostles and your prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will get Babylon, the great city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of the harpist musicians and flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And craftsmen will be cut off and you will be found no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard no more. And your merchants were the great ones of the earth and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. By the way, that's the word pharmakia. Interesting. By your sorcery. 
And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of the saints who have been slain on the earth. Kind of cool, isn't it? In a single moment, who's going to destroy this great entity of wealth, knowledge, power, and cemetery of religion? Lucifer? No. God. God destroys it. God's going to raise up ten kings that take it out. And they're going to take it out in such a moment that the nation doesn't even have time to respond. Matter of fact, if we were to go to Isaiah 13, Jeremiah 51, we would find out that the archers don't even have time to aim their arrows. It happens so fast. Now, I don't know about you, but it's kind of a sobering thought to think as Americans, our economy and our lifestyle kind of matches up with this. Not going to lie. Um, we export more than we import. And, and when a nation imports more than they export, who gets rich on that? They do and we do. Think about it. In America, what is the, what is the exchange currency of the world? The dollar. So as we buy goods from other people, what happens? the riches of the world go up. And as the riches of the world go up, what also goes up? Our currency. America is a picture of mystery Babylon. Now, I'm not going to go to the point this morning and tell you we are mystery Babylon because I think we're part of the system, but it's, it's definitely a global system, not an isolated local system. And America today has harlotted herself around the world. If we're honest about it, we bribe nations all the time. And they drink of our sensuality. They drink from the cup of our economy. They drink from our corruption. The sex trafficking in America is rampant today. And all these things are exactly what Babylon is guilty of. And she goes around the world whoring herself to every nation. And right now, pay to play. What's that all about? Pay to play. Our nation saying, if you do this, we'll do that. Isn't that what harlots, isn't that what, what the people of the night do in exchange? You give me money, I'll do this for you. You do this for me, I'll do that for you. So we are definitely living in a time period that the Bible describes as a time in which God will destroy an organization and people group. Also note this, this ancient Babylon, this mystery Babylon, is a group of people that were not a nation, become a nation, and they become a nation of different languages and every people group and language is represented in it. What do they call America today? We're the what of the world? Hmm. Not exactly what the Bible says this place will be like. And, and they go around and they think they're in peace and security. They're of the richest people in the world. That You know, Americas are, almost every American today is a one percenter in the world. Almost every American is in the top one percent of wealth in the world today. And we live in a time where we think we're invincible. We think that we have it all figured out. So let's go back now and let's look at these verses. Let's go to verse 3. Let's go to the, a couple of these verses here and really pick out what the Bible tells us. 
So in verse 3, the angel just announced, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Why? She falls because all the nations of the world have drunk wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich from her sensuality. In this case, the words immorality and sensuality are words that we can both take literally and figuratively, all right? Anytime we can take the words of the Bible literally, we do, right? But in context, I don't think nations can go out and have sex with other nations. Is that understandable? We get that? So there has to be a picturesque language here. Obviously, this woman on the heart, uh, riding on the beast is not a literal prostitute. It's, it's a picture of somebody doing the act of prostituting themselves. So this people group, this nation, are pro- prostituting themselves, and they're getting gain from that. So the nations of the earth have been influenced by Babylon beginning as far back as the Tower of Babel. You think about it, money, language, and power was what Babylon was all about. The Tower of Babel is what? Babylon, right? The nation of Babylon that formulated later on that Israel ended up being taken captive by, one of their most famous kings of Babylon was who? Nebuchadnezzar, right? And we know that Babylon was a powerful country. We know that they were a huge people group. They, they took Israel captive. But then after 70 years, what happened? Then they fell. And they were destroyed. And Jeremiah records how that occurred. A, a lot of the prophets actually describe how that happened. So we know that that country died. We know that people group died. That, that nationality of Babylon, ancient Babylon, it died and today is uninhabitable just as the Bible tells us it would be. So John here uses the reference back to that to say, this too, whatever country, whatever people group this is, this country too will end up just like Babylon. The real Babylon. They will cease to exist. They will be no more. Their land will be uninhabitable. Look at verse four. Then Babylon will have this Babylon will have believers in it at the time. And it will have Jews who are about to believe the Messiah of it. And here a warning comes. A warning sounded in that day. The same warning that was sounded when Jeremiah was sounding the warning to the believers that were in Babylon. And to come out of them. It says, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in the sins or receive of her plagues. For through uh, for the, through history, we have piled up, her history is piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. So here, obviously, we're not talking about a nation specifically, but we're talking about a philosophy that's in the world. The spirit of Babylon that continues in every generation, but is getting worse and worse as it escalates, as it progresses through time, it becomes worse and worse, and God is just piling up the offenses. Until it reaches where? Heaven itself. And this is a picture of God's long suffering even in the midst of judgment. This is God's long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to. This is the warning. Get out of the system. Pull out of the system, believers, followers of me. Don't get caught up in what's going on in your world. Because if you get caught up with what's going on in your world, you're going to perish with it. So come out from among them and be ye separate. Be holy. 
This is a call to the believer to not get so entwined in the system in which they're living that they miss the point of God's calling and God's purpose for them in their time period. Remember, just as in the days of Noah, what was Noah doing 120 years before the flood came? Warning them that rain was coming. What's rain? All right. So what is the church to be doing in the time period leading up to Babylon being destroyed? Warning that judgment's coming. Warning that judgment's coming. Look at verse 6. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived in sen- in sensu- sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and not a widow, and will never see mourning. What is a widow? Somebody that lost their spouse, right? This country says, I live as a queen, not as somebody who lost her spouse. What does that mean? She's missing something and she doesn't even... You think Americans are missing some things today and they don't even know it? Are we living in a day and age in which things are happening around the world and we don't even realize what's going on? We're so caught up in the affairs of the world and the things of our own time period that we miss the blatant things happening around us that have biblical significance? Eat peace and be merry, for tomorrow you will. There's great pride. There's a false security. She has great riches and wealth. She's never going to come to an end. She's going to live forever. And God says, consider this great city, this holy city, because in one hour I will lay it to waste. Do you see the kind of sins characterized by great Babylon in our own country today? Do you see a a, a sense of pride, a sense of sensuality, immorality, a love of pleasure and riches at the expense of all things holy, righteous, and God? Is that not what characterizes the entire world we live in today? Our culture to a degree in this age? It's not... Is it not the reason that on the Lord's Day, very few today want to worship, but instead Costco and Target have no problem getting people to come to worship in their house? Man seeking their own pleasure more than God. They spend their time earning their goals, their personal peace, their affluence with, regard, with no regard to a holy God who says, I am, your, I am your provider, I am your sustainer, worship me. And instead, they worship the creation more than the... What's a creator God anyway? Evolution's how the world came. Think about it, folk. Think about it. This is the picture Take your Bible and go to 1 John 2. I'll throw it on the screen. Well, put it on the screen for time here. 1 John 2. Let's read verses 15 to 17 together. The Bible says this. You can read it with me. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is? Next slide. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from... Think about that. And the world is... Along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God 
abides forever. I asked you the question this morning, who are you worshiping? If you worship God, the promise is you abide forever. You worship this world, Babylon's going to be destroyed. And everything in it. And it's going to be destroyed in such a time where there's nothing to keep. There's nothing to salvage. Even the merchants of the world admit there's nothing left. There's nothing even to, to take home with us. So the same Apostle John that wrote the book of Revelation is the one that just penned those words. I wonder if John had some insight into this for us as he looked at Revelation, he looked at the writings here that he wrote and he began to compare and say, hey, people, Christians especially, wake up, wake up. Because the adversary, the devil is roaring about this world and he's taking people out and he's taking them out the same way he's always done it. The problem is it looks a lot different this time. Instead of a single attack, it's a global attack. Instead of a one-on-one battle, it's a system of his versus the system of God. By the way, everything that Babylon is in, in Revelation 12, the city of Jerusalem is not. The people of God are not. They're not of this world. They're of a different world. They're not taking glory from the things of the earth. They're taking glory from God. They're projecting glory to God. They're singing in every tribe and people group are singing praise to God. And the city of Jerusalem shines and nobody can touch it. Babylon is dark and it's destroyed and the entire world doesn't want anything to do with it after it's been exploited for what it is. So this is a contrast to Revelation 12. Talking about what God wants versus what the world wants. And what the world wants is they're heaping to themselves things that are built on three things. So what, what, what are the three things that this world is built on? Well, we just read them. The first one is the lust of the flesh. This embodies all the basic instincts of our natural bodies, our natural sinful nature. This includes uninhibited expression and fulfillment of sexual desires, every kind of immorality and sexual perversion, sex trade, sex trafficking, you name it, lust of the flesh. Is that in our country today, by the way? Do you see any of that? Pornography, rampant pornography, all that's here. It includes desire for intoxicating chemicals, alcohol, drugs, a lack of regard for moral bearings. It's a characteristic of worldly living apart from God. The Bible says reject it. Don't be a part of it. Come out from among it and be ye separate. Lust of the eyes has to do with the covetousness, materialism evident in our world today. A covetousness that disregards the rights of others and takes advantage of others for their personal gain. Aren't you glad America's not like that? A materialism that worships the gifts of the creator rather than the creator himself and therefore forms a form of idolatry where it worships itself more than the creator. Finally, the boastful pride of life This one shouldn't be hard to understand. It takes credit for everything that's been gained and it looks down on others and seeks itself to be better than everybody else. It blames everybody else for their problems when they themselves are creating the problems. Having a bigger house, having a trophy wife, having cars, 
um, Ecclesiastes 4.4 4 says this, I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is a result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity, striving after wind. It is where life is entirely occupied by a matter of keeping up with the Joneses. Anybody know of a nation where that's kind of a thing? He who dies with the most toys. Got to keep up with the Joneses. The neighbor has it. I need it. This is the philosophy. This is the world in which Babylon thrives. So the question this morning, are these motives that control your life? If it feels good, do it. He who dies with the most toys wins. Keep up with the Joneses. I want to tell you this one, there's no future in it. He who dies takes nothing with him. You know, you see every week there's auctions in the newspaper of people selling whose stuff? Dead people's stuff. They die, they didn't take any of it with them. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and... Or what will he exchange for his soul? This is the world we're living in right now. We are already in the era of Babylon. The question is, is America Babylon? Is the European Union Babylon? Is is China Babylon? Maybe it's Russia. Russia's Babylon. You know what the reality is? The system. The system is who? Babylon. But there's going to be somebody that's used to make an example to all the rest that will never be inhabited and never heard from again. Now, who is it? I'll leave that up to you to figure it out. I'll leave that for you. You want to know who I think it is? I'll tell you. But I'll tell you by myself. But I can tell you this, there's one nation that doesn't exist in the rest of the Bible when the tribulation starts. And they're never heard from again and never seen from again. And there were once a Christian nation, a melting pot of languages and people groups that thought themselves to be powerful and they are no more. And they're attacked so swiftly and so fast that they can't even react and it leaves their nation and people uninhabitable and unsustainable. Now, COVID revealed something about our own country, didn't it? We're still feeling the effects of it. Supply chain issues. Imagine if the major consumer of the world disappeared off the stage. What would that do to the economy of the world? And what would you need to do in a hurry if you were the rest of the world to try to recover from that? You would need to consolidate power, resources, and finances in a very rapid way. And what if 10 kings said, you know what? We're going to lay down our power to one and you fix it. And that guy would be known as who? The Antichrist. We are living in a time period that is so ripe for what we're reading in Scripture to take place right now. There are 10 world powers that exist today who do not like America that hold nuclear weapons. And as we mess around in the world today, playing with pipelines, that's not helping our cause. As we exhort, as we, as we money launder through other countries and we whore ourselves to them, that's not helping our cause in the world. And while we're over here saying how great our religion is and how spiritual we are and how we're exporting missionaries and we're exporting, you know what the reality is? There are more missionaries coming to America than we're sending out to the world. 
So we once were a Christian nation, true. But are we today? One nation in... Really? Really? We're not divided? We can't be split? We're under God? This is, we're, we're living under the blessing of God? Folks, we're living in a time period where we need to warn that judgment's coming. We're living in the days of Noah. We really are. And Matthew 24 is telling the truth. At a time when people are given a marriage and thinking, oh, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Let's eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we'll die. The reality is it's going to come so fast that our country can't even react. If this is America. If it's a future in another country, what does that tell you about every country that's ever had the Babylonian characteristics? The Roman Empire, where are they today? Gone. The British Empire, where are they today? And if America goes the same path, guess where America will be very soon? You see, who held Israel before they gave them back the land? The British. And it was bragged about the British Empire that the sun never set on what? Never set on their empire. Today, guess what? It does. And how long did it take for them to fall? Some of you, it's been in your lifetime. The Bible calls it an hour. So the question is, who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship the system and God of this world who, who we know isn't going to last? The merchants mourn, the shipbearers mourn, all these people mourn that this great city, this great nation that once was, now is not, and where are we going to get rich from now? Or are you going to be part of the ones who are called out for a purpose? Don't be part of the system. Be different on purpose and bring as many out of the system you can with you. See, this is the mandate. Come out from among them. That doesn't mean that we move out of the United States or can go to some other country. I'm not saying the United States is Babylon, but I'm saying this. We're living in the, the state of Babylon. And by the way, North and South America constitute one third of the world's landmass. Anybody see that in Revelation anywhere? Do you see that? Those countries? Just saying. Do we see Iraq in the Revelation? Absolutely. The Euphrates River dries up and the people of China come across and the people of India come across the Euphrates River that dries up towards Jerusalem to rebel against the Lord in the final act when Jesus Christ comes, speaks out of his mouth and annihilates everybody in Jerusalem. Well, it can't be Iraq then because people walk through there. And it says the land would be uninhabitable and people won't even cross through it. Now, I don't know about you, but if they were to set a nuclear bomb off, who would want to go through there? If they were to shoot arrows at a country and hit the country with nuclear weapons, who would want to go through that area? Ship people would go by it, but they wouldn't touch it. Why? I'm just telling you, what we think is so far off in the future is absolutely plausible in the moment that we're living right now. The plausibility of these events is real. I started telling you by, about what? There are more nuclear warheads pointed at our country than any other country in the world. Think about that this morning. Not Israel, the United States. Now, you say, Pastor, you're kind of, you're kind of scaring us. This is, kind of this is not a negative message if you're a Christian. Amen. 
Because guess who's in control? Satan can't launch nuclear missiles without who letting him. Satan cannot prevail over a country unless who allows it. So the fact that we're all here right now is the long-suffering of what person? Does he have a purpose for your life then? What is it? What is it? If God is keeping you here for such a time as this, when we're living in a world that is ripe and, and something is holding back this judgment, something is holding back these 10 kings, something is restraining Lucifer from carrying out what is very evident in our world today, ripe to go into the tribulation. What's restraining it? We are. Because God is not done working through his people. But the problem is, his people are so caught up in the world, they're not even seeing it. And here's the scary part. You want the scary part? When the church is no longer of earthly use to God, what's he going to do with her? He's going to take her out in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. And he's going to put his mission back on what people group? Israel. And if, 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 I'm not saying it is, but let's say if America was that restraining force protecting Israel that Israel's been trusting in since its inception, 1948, if America is who Israel is trusting for their protection and we were taken out in a moment, who would Israel have to turn to for protection? And who would, put that in, who, who would that put her in opposition to? The Antichrist who's going to rise to power at the same time. And now you have the need of a peace treaty because what does Israel not want to be? They don't want to be destroyed like the U.S. So a peace treaty is signed, and what does that start? Think about it. It's not that far off if you really want to consider it. Now, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I'm saying America is a type of Babylon right now. And, and as far as we think, oh, well, God's way off. He's so far off. It's not going to happen. Folks, it's already like, what in that story is so far-fetched that you can't believe it right now? Think about it. Be watchful. Be ready. Repent. Come out from among them and do the work of the ministry. This is the mission of the church. Why do we go to church every Sunday? Well, because we're checking the box. No, we are restraining the evil one from coming. We are stopping Lucifer from moving forward because God says, I'm long-suffering. I care. I want more people to be saved. I'm giving opportunity. But the problem is how much room's between the ceiling of heaven and the offenses of man. Because when that hits, that's the levator. That, that's the rev limiter, right? And then judgment comes. So, who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship the world, the things of the world? Or are you going to worship the one who controls the world, who made the world, who restricts even Lucifer right now? So, love not the world, the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, what? The love of the Father is not in him. Because he's surrendered to the God of this world, not to the God of the universe that created heaven and earth. Lord willing, next week as we get ready for our missions conference, you say, why are you teaching this? Because this is our motivation for missions. This is our motivation for telling. 
This is why we're here. We are the mouthpiece of God on earth to warn people that judgment's coming. Now, let me ask you a question. How far off could God's judgment be? And if it can happen at any time, when can the rapture happen? At any time. And what are both, what time period do both of those events use to measure time? No man knows the day or the hour which the Son of Man will return. And Babylon is destroyed in the period of, could it be that God uses that event to take his people out of the earth, to bring them out from among them, and to shift power to Israel as the center point of the world's attention? Is that plausible? Absolutely. So, the spirit of Babylon is already in our midst. It's already here. Now, the culmination of this, there's a key to this, and we'll look at this next week. The one who was, the one who is not, the one who is, and the one who won't. Who is that? That's Lucifer. He was in heaven, an angel. He was not. He was cast to where? Earth. He will be again, tribulation, and then he's suppressed for a while. And then what's his final end? The lake of fire. He never will be again. So we're living in that period in which he's on earth, but he hasn't yet risen to power again. That's the time period we're in. The transition for that to happen is one hour. One hour. See why it's significant for us to understand the time and the hour we live in? We are living in what? The days of, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the Son of Man returns. We need to be awake and be alert, understand where we're living and what time it is. Because the reality is, my kids may never make it to my age. They might not even make it to Mary. They may never get that far. Because Jesus Christ could return before that happens. Think about that. That's sobering. So what is a prophet of man? He gained the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what will you exchange for your soul?
Thank you.